before. Amen. Um, the title of this uh, message this morning may wind up being simply this. What's going on down here? Amen. What's going on down here? In other words, there's a lot going on in, in our world. There's a lot going on in our nation. There is, um, you, you know, things that, um, at least in my lifetime, unprecedented. Uh, things that I have seen elements of before but have never seen on the scale that I'm seeing them now. And um, thankfully, we're not, you know, at the mercy of somebody's opinion uh, to, uh, you know, help define these things for us and help us understand these things. Uh, But our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, had much to say about these things and what they actually are and how we need to understand them and, and then ultimately how we need to respond. Now, before we read the verse, let me just remind you that you did not wake up in a neutral world this morning. You woke up in a hostile world. Satan is the god of this world, lowercase g-o-d. He's the ruler of this world, the prince of this world. All these are terms that Jesus used to describe him. And we know that he tries to um, manipulate and influence us by manipulating and influencing what's going on around us. And I know you're in Matthew, just stay there. But Romans says, don't be conformed to this world. And the word picture there is pressure from the outside being applied to you and me, trying to form us, trying to shape the way we think, the way we talk, and ultimately the way we live. And so we we cannot be ignorant of that. That's happening to you and me. That that outward pressure being applied to you and me is is it's constant. Amen. And this is why if we do nothing. Uh, this world will begin to influence the way we think, then the way we speak, the, and then the way we respond or the way that, that we act. All right? So we have to counteract that. We have to be proactive. We have to be offensive. We can't just be on the defense all the time. We have to offensively, deliberately, intentionally uh, feed ourselves the Word of God, uh, deliberately, intentionally set our minds on the things of the Spirit, deliberately, intentionally renew and refresh our minds. And the Bible, remember Jesus said, you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so that inward part of us, it has to be fed, it has to be nourished uh, with the Word of God, with fellowship with, with God and, and fellowship with other believers and, and, and things of this nature. So we can't, we can't lose sight of that. And so as we talk about these things this morning, once again, I just want to rem- I wanted to remind you of that before we started because that's a whole lot of what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to take the chaos that's going on in the world around us and use that chaos to uh, form wrong ways of thinking, wrong mindsets and attitudes, ultimately lead us to saying wrong things and then ultimately leading us to doing wrong things. Amen? All right, so Matthew chapter 24 In verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So if Jesus said these things must come to pass, we know they're going to happen. Doesn't mean they have to happen to you and me. Amen? That stuff doesn't apply to us because we're, our citizenship is not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. But if Jesus said that these things are going to happen, there's no need for you and me praying that they won't happen. Amen? And I, don't, I know that almost sounds like, you know, it's like, well, I'm just going to use my faith that there will never be another war on planet Earth. Well, you're wasting your time. 
Because there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of war. Jesus said this. Amen. Now, in our lives, in our situation, in our families, in our homes, in our family of faith, this is where we have authority. This is where we can say whatever's going on around us is not going to touch us. That's, that's what we see in the scriptures, right? Thousand fall on one side of you, 10,000 on the other side of you, and you just stand in there grinning. Amen. Right? Because his hand's upon you. You dwell in that secret place, that shadow of the Most High. Amen. So let's keep going here. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation. But remember, we've done the research on this. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, one country against another country. It means one race or ethnicity of people will rise against another race or ethnicity of people. He's talking about uh, racial division here. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. In our common day language, we would call a famine either an economic recession. Anybody ever heard that word, recession? Or an economic depression. Somebody asked uh, Ronald Reagan one time, what was the difference between a recession and a depression? Anybody remember his answer? He said, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose yours. Amen. And, and so the idea is that, you know, we, we hear famine and and listen, there's plenty of famines taking place on planet Earth right now, but in this wonderful nation and system in which we happen to exist, um, we wouldn't necessarily call it a famine. We would refer to it as, an, as something that would cause the economy to go in the tank or you know, that, would, that would affect us financially and how we're able to um, you know, buy things and experience things and, and, and procure things. You know, thankfully, we haven't seen any of those days in a long time. Maybe if a hurricane threatens uh, certain petroleum refineries and that sort of thing. But, you know, there was a day when people lined up in this nation to buy gas uh, for their cars, right? So, again, famines, pestilences, that's also pandemics, um, viruses that cause widespread death and destruction. Earthquakes. Now, we spent some time last week on earthquakes. Earthquakes includes a cracking in the earth's surface, but the real word here is speaking of natural disasters, okay? I'm not going to go back and try to reteach all that. That that was last week. The title of that message is What a Contraction Looks Like, okay? And and so um, the, the word here is seismos. It was used in other places in the Bible to refer to like a hurricane or or, you know, violent weather. So again, it's not just earthquake. It's natural disasters of all kinds. And he said these things will be happening in various places. I'm not going to spend. I'm not going to go back there and try to re-preach that message. But anybody look at the news this morning? We have four tropical depressions forming in the Atlantic. Okay. Now I'm 53 years old, older than some of you in here, younger than some of you in here. Do you remember back in the day when a powerful hurricane strike in the United States was a rare thing? I mean, it was like. You know, I mean, hardly ever happened. Now it's happening seemingly annually and in some cases multiple times in a hurricane season. Again, this is that increase in frequency that Jesus talked about and this increase, you can chart it, and we put some charts up last week, uh, increase in frequency and increase in intensity. 
Now, I'm not going to go back and I'm not going to keep reading these verses, but Jesus goes on to say there will be an increase in people being offended. There will be an increase in people betraying one another. There will be an increase in hatred and there will be an increase in lawlessness. Jesus told us in John 16 to be of good cheer that we're going to experience these things in the world, but we have and he has overcome the world. Amen. We have the word of God as an anchor for our soul. Hebrews 6, we looked at that already. And then Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of how many? He delivers him out of all of them, every single one of them. Now, turn with me to Romans, the 8th chapter, if you will, please. Romans chapter 8. When Jesus says that this is the beginning of sorrows, okay, um, verse 8, I didn't ever put it up on the screen, did I? I'm sorry. Verse, uh, turn with me to Romans 8, but I'm still in Matthew 24 on the screen, okay? When he says this is the beginning of sorrows, he's saying this is the beginning of birth pangs. This is the beginning of labor. And this is perhaps one of the key verses in all of this teaching because Jesus is, is, is giving us an understanding here of how these things are cyclical in nature. They're, they cycle through but they're coming with greater frequency and greater intensity, just like a woman in, in labor uh, giving birth, okay? Now, as I was studying these things, the Holy Spirit began to sh- show me that that was such a key factor in understanding this. Um, he reminded me that the Bible talks about this in other places, and that's what we see in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 22. Let's just put that one up on the screen for now. It says, for we know... For we know, right? Now, some folks don't know this, but we know this. Are you hearing me? Uh, a lot of people in leadership in, in different places in our country, um, they don't know this. Um, but we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. We know this, all right? Now, let me give you that passage do you see the connection? First of all, I want to make sure we establish this connection between what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24 and what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is now saying in Romans 8. Do you see that connection? Yes? Y'all with me? Amen. All right. I love to preach, but I'm doing a little teaching this morning, okay? So we see then that, remember what Luke said about Jesus, that what he did were the things that he both began to do and teach. What Jesus both began to do and what he began to teach. So Jesus started something that the Holy Spirit's finishing. Amen. The Holy Spirit started something that the Holy Spirit is building upon. Jesus laid the foundation. So Jesus introduced this concept to us. Uh, Remember Jesus told his disciples something like this. He said, there's still so many things that I want to tell you, but you're not ready yet because you can't bear them yet. But the spirit of truth, when he comes, he'll lead you and guide you in all truth. So Jesus talked about this concept of the, of the earth in labor. He talked about this reality that, that, the, that the earth is experiencing contractions. And those contractions uh, are manifest in, in, the, in, in, in different forms and in different ways. So now we see that he began to teach us about that. Now the Holy Spirit is showing us some more things about it. So let's go to Romans. You're in 8. Let's go now up to verse 19 and we'll read back through. So Romans 8 and 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
So stay with me for just a moment. I know that these verses are, are um, they're pretty deep, intense. Uh, we're going to look at them in another translation maybe that's going to kind of help you know, loosen some of this up for you so that you can see it more clearly. For the creation was subjected to, to be subjected to something means that, uh, it, it, this is a strong way of saying it, but it was, it was, it was the victim of something. Uh, something was done to it. Uh, and he's talking about the earth here, not just a, a human being. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, I've got to point out one other thing to you. And we can agree or disagree on this. It's okay. Um, but there, there's a lot of discussion on whether or not uh, the H in him in verse 20 should be capitalized or not. Okay? There's nothing in the original language to, um, to tell us definitively. So there are those who believe that the creation was subjected to vanity or, or futility by God himself. Okay? Um, I disagree with that. In other words, I don't believe the H should be capitalized because I don't believe it was God who subjected the creation to futility. I believe it was Adam. It was Adam. Okay? It was clearly, God said in Genesis, that the ground is cursed for your sake. It is cursed because of what you have done upon it. Okay? So again, you can, you can have a different opinion. That's okay. Amen. But I, I do want to point that out to you that I feel like this is one of those areas where the New King James uh, Version uh, took the wrong translation here by capitalizing that H. Uh, being meaning what a personal pronoun for God instead of for mankind. Are you still with me? All right. So, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So, notice he's saying here, and I, I'm, I almost wish these were on the same slide so we could look at them uh, one after the other. Creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. In other words, this was something that um, the creation didn't choose. <laughs> if, in other words, if you do something but you don't do it willingly, it's because you're being forced. Okay? So he's saying that the creation didn't choose corruption. It was subjected to corruption all right? because of him who subjected it in hope. All right? Because the creation itself also will be, de- will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Can we do some teaching this morning? I'm just, I'm just trying to, I don't want to get bogged down right here, you know, for the next three weeks, but I am wanting you to see something very important, right? He's saying that we have, as children of God, we have received our deliverance from the bondage of what? From the bondage of sin. And the same deliverance that we have received will one day be received by this earth. This earth is still struggling under the bondage of sin, amen, that we as sons and daughters of God have already been delivered from, okay? So let me ask you a question. This is once again why I believe it was Adam who subjected, not God, right? Did God subject us to the bondage of sin or did we subject ourselves? We subjected ourselves. We did it to ourselves. God didn't create us to be slaves of sin. He created us to be sons and daughters of His. Amen. It was our choices that caused us to be subjected, right? But we were brought under the bondage of sin, not without hope though, because God said at the scene of the crime in the Garden of Eden that He would one day bring a deliverer. Amen. So we came under the bondage of sin, but we also were given hope by God that we would one day be delivered. 
Amen. And so it was our sin that brought us under that bondage. And it was our sin that brought the earth under that same bondage. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Okay. So this is something that started a long, 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 long time ago. And the birth pangs continue together until now, right? So obviously Paul wrote this a couple of thousand years ago, but they continue again until now and will continue until the earth is delivered, okay? How will the earth be delivered from the bondage of sin? It'll be delivered from the bondage of sin the day that it's delivered from the men and women who live on this planet committing sin. Are you seeing this? All right, now... We could develop a whole message around this, but I just want to point out to you that in this verse we see expectation, we see birth pangs, and we see delivery. All of these things are mentioned. Now let me read this same passage to you. Praise the name of the living God. Let me read the same passage to you from the Passion Translation. Okay, It says, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. Think about it just for a moment, okay? Metal will not rust in heaven. Wood will not rot in heaven. Things that we take for granted here on the earth, that's occurring because of corruption. That's occurring because of of mankind's sin. And we know that in heaven, remember Jesus said, "Store store up treasure there where rust will not corrupt. Right? So he's saying that The creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay. Because if you think about it, this earth was created first and then we were placed upon it. And everything that God created, uh, he said was good. And then he put me and you in this good place and called it very good. God didn't create hurricanes and earthquakes and volcanoes. God didn't, didn't create for that matter, the hatred and the offense and the lawlessness. Are you, are you seeing this? So how did it go from being good to not so good? Adam's sin. Adam and Eve's sin is what brought this corruption. It's what enslaved the earth to decay and to experience. See, this earth wants to serve you. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like you know, far out or weird. Listen to me. This earth wants to serve you. This earth loves it when you put seed in it and it can produce food for you because that's what it was created to do. That's what it was designed to do. The, the glory of God. This earth loves it when you, when you go to the mountains and enjoy the beauty and the majesty. This earth loves it when, when, when you go to the beach and put your toes in the sand and just the, the sound of the, of the waves rolling in one after the other just tends to relieve the stress and tension from, in other words, again, God created this earth for you and for me. He created it to be a blessing to us. And this earth enjoys being a blessing to you. And this earth does not like 
bringing hurricanes to destroy and wildfires to burn. Again, this is not what the earth was designed to do. The, the earth is it, it's in bondage to that, and it longs to be free from those kinds of things and finally give birth, be delivered from the things that continue to cause these things. Wow. Wow. So, see, the lie the enemy feeds so many goes something like this. I'm only hurting myself. How many times have we told ourselves that? How many times have we said, you know, well, I know probably what I'm doing is not right, but I'm not hurting anybody but myself. That's not true. That's not true. But not only is your sin robbing others of the potential that resides in you, and that's the very least, bottom line, sin impacts the very ground we're standing on. Now, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said those words that way in my life, but that's the reality of it. Remember, we, we're not going to go back there, but remember in Genesis where we, where we see, you know, where God spoke to Abraham about the, the iniquity of the Amorites? There's a sermon on that title, The Iniquity of the Amorites, uh, three weeks ago, I think. And, and then we, we saw in Leviticus where the ground literally, the earth literally vomited the Amorites out of, out of the area that they had settled and had lived in for more than 400 years. Again, this, this is God speaking here. It is, the earth was saying, it's an, enough! It literally regurgitated them. All right, now, I'm trying to get to my points this morning. So do you see why, and I know there's, this verse is really being circulated a lot right now, and I think it should be. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God speaking directly to His people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and what will He do? Heal their land. He'll heal their land. What human beings do on this planet affects this planet and the way that it functions. Wow. Now, let me, I want to, I want to kind of pause that point right there for a moment. And I have some different Bible verses that explain why that's the case right? Um, And maybe we'll get to that next week, but there's something here that I I just really feel impressed that I need to get to before we end this morning. I feel an urgency about it. And so I want to, I want to just kind of, you know, almost like full stop on that point and let's kind of skip over some of those things and we'll come back to them. But the bottom line of it is this, father spoke the word into the darkness and into the chaos, and from that darkness and chaos in Genesis chapter 1, he produced light, and then he produced order. And it was his word that produced the light, and it was his word that produced the order. It was his word that created the very ground that we're standing on, the very ground beneath your feet right now, and the gravity that keeps you perfectly situated on this ground. All of that was established by His Word. It, again, it, His Word brought light to the darkness and order to the chaos. 
the more mankind rejects and violates the Word of God, the more they return back to the darkness and chaos. Amen? Are you seeing this? So, the more we reject God, the more we would push away, push Him away and what He said away, the more we're going to return to the darkness and the chaos. Now, what I think we need to understand, though, is how Satan is wanting to use the fear and the chaos that the Bible clearly states is being created, is being caused by mankind's sin. Satan can't make you do anything. He cannot kick in the front door of your life and make you do anything. He cannot make you bow to Him. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He didn't kick in the front gate of the Garden of Eden and make Adam and Eve mess it up. He wanted, he wanted to mess up the Garden of Eden, but He didn't have the power or the authority to do it. So how did He mess up what God said was good and very good? He deceived the ones who did have the authority and ability to mess it up, to mess it up for Him. And that is the same card He's been playing since the Garden of Eden. He cannot mess up your life. He cannot mess up my life unless we cooperate with Him. We've got to understand that. That is such a vital point. So he is constantly, your enemy, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices lest he gain an advantage over you. Your enemy is constantly looking for ways that he can manipulate and influence the things, the the way that you think, the things that you say, and ultimately the way that you act or the things that you do. So the fear and the chaos that's being created by mankind's sin. Remember, Satan is the one who entices. He, he tries to draw at our flesh to get us to sin. But the bigger picture is sin then affects uh, this earth and it, and it leads to more darkness and more chaos. Now Satan is trying to exploit the darkness and the chaos, creating fear and ultimately using the fear to determine again how we think, what we say, what we do. I want to try to give you, in the time I have remaining, I want to try to give you a, a real-time demonstration of this. Okay. From time to time, I'm asked about global warming. Now listen. Listen to me, please. See, again, if you got defensive right there, that's a sign, and it's not a good one. Just mentioning it, Right? Just mentioning it, it can create visceral responses from people. Right? Amen. Amen. See, the devil is hoping that you take the easy money. He's hoping that you go for the low-hanging fruit. He's hoping that you grab hold to the smoke and mirrors and never see the greater scheme that he's trying to affect in your life and in mine. So from time to time, I'm asked about global warming. I usually begin my response by asking the person who presents that question to me or the group who presents that question to me by asking them a question. Who has ever heard of global cooling? You ever heard of it? Nobody? I see some of you back there nodding your heads. Well, let me try to help you here, my friend. Let me show you two magazine covers from Time Magazine. 
1973 and then again in 1979. In those days, it was the big freeze, the cooling of America. The headlines on that paper, I forget exactly what they say there in that lap, but, but in those days, we were being told that, are you ready? How about this one? If you can't read that very well, it says, not by fire, but by ice. Does it show up better in your version? If you don't know what those uh, square things are in the, uh, in the huge iceberg, those are skyscrapers. All right. From Newsweek 1975, so we've got Time Magazine, we've got, this is a science journal, not by fire but by ice. This particular um, uh, graph, doesn't it look so scientific and professional? It's so convincing, isn't it? Notice it says areas of the earth affected by climate change, except for this is not, again, global warming. Notice that the graphs are, are not red and deeper, brighter shades of red and orange where things are about to, you know, catch fire. But, but notice now they're different shades of blue because they're showing us how things are getting colder. How about this? Here's another one. Experts say... A new ice age is imminent. This is, again, a science and mechanics magazine. Now, I want to show you just, again, a difference. I already put this one up, right? That's the big freeze. That was January 1977, Time magazine, right? Now, 30 years later, June 2007, National Geographic. Now it's the big thaw, right? Now it's the big thaw, right? Now here's, here's the difference, though. One more, you ready? Time magazine. Notice here that they're showing the poor polar bear without any ice to get in, like there's no ice left anywhere for him to get in. Bless his heart. But notice what they're telling you now. The message isn't subtle anymore. The message isn't subtle anymore. Be worried. Be very worried. All right? Now, you say, Pastor Mark, this is the most political thing. I am not being political this morning. Listen to me, please. Can anybody in this room hear Jesus saying, do not be deceived and do not be worried, much less very worried? The reality of it is this. The enemy is wanting to use these kinds of things, real or imagined. Real or imagined. I'm not here to tell you whether it's real or imagined. That's not my job. Real or imagined. I'm talking about when it comes to climate change. I, can I give you my personal... I'm going to just share my personal heart with you. We don't have enough data to know. Are you hearing me? We don't have enough data. Why did they say in the 70s we were, we were cooling? Because we had several years in a row where the average temperature was dropping a little bit. Oh my goodness, we're fixing to have an ice age. Now we've got, you know, some time where the, the average temperature is increasing a little bit. Now it's, oh my goodness, we're all going to catch fire any minute now. 
And the reality of it is these things are, are, are cyclical. They operate in a cycle. The closer we get to the sun, the warmer things are. The further away we get from it, the cooler things are. But it's not just that our earth is orbiting. Our entire solar system is, is orbiting. We see that even that, that our galaxy it seems to be orbiting around something even bigger in the universe. The enemy is trying to do, though, is he's trying to use these things to scare you. He's trying to use these things uh, to, to get you in a, a certain mindset and mode of thinking so that he can then use that way of thinking to get you to say things out of your mouth and ultimately getting you to do things. How, how, about, how about this one right here? How about this one right here? The rising seas. Now we've got the Statue of Liberty waist deep in ocean water. But here, here's the thing. Are you ready? Vote for us or the Statue of Liberty will be waist deep in ocean water. Notice now, it's, it's, the, it's the fear that's, that's being used to try to motivate us. I'm not saying the earth is cooling. I'm not saying the earth is warming. What I am saying is the earth is sick. And it's not sick because we're driving SUVs. The earth is not sick because we have too many cows passing gas. The earth is sick because of mankind's sin. And our leaders are telling us if we'll just go green, it'll fix all of this. Going green will not fix it. Coming clean will. See the difference there, right? But they're just telling you if you'll drive a smaller car, right, you'll keep Lady Liberty from being underwater. Powerful images. Let's not forget that this is how the enemy, he's trying to imprint your mind. He's trying to imprint your thinking. Again, this is not a referendum on, on global temperature increase, decrease, or otherwise. What I'm trying to get you to see is how the earth is sick. And because the earth is sick, the earth is contracting. It longs to be delivered from these things. And we're going to see these things. We're going to see the natural disasters. My friend, we, we're not... We, there's. Let me say it. Calm myself down here. There aren't four... There aren't four tropical depressions forming the Atlantic right now because you have a V8 engine in your car. They're forming the Atlantic right now because we've surpassed 58 million abortions in this country. And it's not, listen, see people say, oh, so God is punishing us. No, he's not punishing us. It's the earth, my friend, contracting It's like, well, you know, God's just, I, I remember back when Katrina came in. And did all that destruction and damage. They said, well, God was trying to take out those floating casinos that were docked there. How silly is that? How silly is that? Like, like, like God has that bad of an aim. If he, my friend, if he wanted to take out a floating casino, he could vaporize it. And people just wake up wondering where it went. No, what we're seeing is the earth contracting It's the earth revolting. It's the earth trying to vomit out the sin that's happening all upon it. Amen. Singers, musicians, come on. I'm out of time. We've got communion. So many things I want to show you here. While they're coming, and I hope y'all can hear me in the monitors. Amen. I'll be brief either way.
The devil tries to rule us how? By fear. Thank you, Michael. The devil tries to rule us by fear. So you need to beware of any politician, any political party, or any preacher, for that matter, that tries to motivate you with fear. Never has it been more prominent. The choices between being flesh-driven or spirit-led. The choice between living by faith or becoming imprisoned by fear. Life is choice-driven and the devil can control your life to the extent he can influence your choices. And ultimately what Satan is trying to do is manipulate all of us into a survival mode, into survival thinking. And now that he has been very effective in doing that, he's trying to take us from survival thinking. I'm going to finish right here. Just hear me, please. He's trying to take us from survival thinking into crisis thinking. Because when you're in crisis, right, especially when those who are, have rule over us, right, when we're in crisis mode and crisis thinking, we have a tendency to look and depend too much upon the government. We, we'll allow them to take our freedoms and liberties from us because, after all, it's the greater good without ever really realizing the slippery slope and the enemy, I'm telling you, my friend, the devil is behind every bit of it. This nation is a threat to him. The principles this nation was founded upon, even though we haven't always lived up to the ideals of this nation, the, the core values of this nation are a threat to the enemy. And he wants to silence this country, but most importantly, he's trying to silence the church of the living God that resides here. And we cannot allow him to do it. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Nephew Daniel, will you grab me some communion, brother? Please, thank you. Let's stand together this morning. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Everybody good? Everybody okay? All right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can y'all hear me back there in the monitors? Good. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Amen. All right. I want to pray for you. Then we're going to do the communion, okay? Father, thank you for what you have told us in your word about the things that we're seeing in the world around us right now. Father, if we're, if we're not prepared, if, if we're ill-prepared, if we're not ready to deal with these things, it's not your fault because you not only told us they were coming, you've told us what to expect, you've told us that they're going to happen more frequently and with greater intensity, but you've also told us in your word how to rise above it all and how to be a light shining in the darkness, how to be someone living in peace in the midst of the chaos. Father, I thank you for the men and women that are 
with us in the room, those that are joining us live stream, those that will watch later, Lord, on the internet. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and I thank you, Father, that you're helping us examine ourselves. Lord, you told us to judge ourselves, right? That if we would judge ourselves, there'd be no need for anybody else to judge us. And, and Lord, that's not meaning condemn ourselves, be hard on ourselves. Tell us to examine ourselves. And, and, and Lord, we don't want to do that without the help of your word and without the help of the Holy Spirit. But Father, we ask that you would show us ways, Father, that that the things going on around us are, are affecting us and influencing us and, and manipulating the way we think. And Father, how we've got to push back against that. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you'll take your... Uh